what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authority are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. This is the word of the Lord. So it's good to be here with you all this morning. I wonder when you see this face behind me, how do you feel? How about the next one? <laughs> A few giggles. Um, okay. How about the next face? How do you feel when you see this face? And one more. Some of you may even not know who the next person is. <laughs> the opposition leader, Matthew Guy. You may have some strong reactions to these pictures, either positively or negatively. You can take that down now. Thanks. Someone's not behind me all the time. <laughs> Thanks. Um, politics is a divisive and polarising issue. And there's been, that's been apparent in the commentary about Queen Elizabeth's death too. Some commentators have decried her role in the UK's legacy of colonisation, whilst others have celebrated her faith, her service and her dedication. These issues and our reactions to them are never straightforward. And this week we're considering Romans 13, 1-7, what it means to be subject to the governing authorities. Religion and politics are apparently not polite topics at the dinner table. So we're going to be throwing out that maxim today. And it seems a bit of an odd digression for Paul to speak about being subject to authorities after his discourse on love. But as Christians, we are called to a radical love that transforms the way we relate to every tier of our society. In the previous verses, we were told not to repay anyone evil for evil or take revenge, but to leave it in the hands of God. So perhaps this passage is an explanation for why we can be assured that God doesn't just let evildoers roam free without consequences. Or it may be that Paul doesn't want Roman Christians abusing their freedom in Christ to revolt against Rome. As Christians, the way we respond to our governing authorities and people in power reflects reflects on our identity as Christians. Who we are frees us up from being either too slavish and acquiescent on the one hand or too rebellious and divisive on the other hand. So the way that we respond to our government is a question of our worship and how we live out our identity as people who have been transformed by their encounter with God and his mercy. Different cultures respond differently to those in authority. Some people and people groups in particular may have had negative experiences with those in authority 
and so may be very wary of anyone in authority. We know, for example, that Indigenous people are 17.3% more likely to be incarcerated than non-Indigenous people. So for some of you, this may bring up things, this topic, and I want to be sensitive to that. Other cultures, um, particularly those with a strong honour, shame culture, have a strong respect for authorities and elders. I was chatting with Charlie this week and he was saying that in his culture it would be unheard of for the minister to sweep the floor. And I was saying that in every church I think that I've been in, I've seen the minister sweeping up the floor. Very different. Here in Australia, we like to call everyone by their first name or their nickname. We cut down tall poppies and we pride ourselves on our egalitarian attitude. And yet what's really interesting is that Australia prides itself on this anti-authoritarian attitude, but in reality COVID has shown us that we're actually quite a compliant nation. Monash University's Professor Graeme Davison, who's one of Australia's leading experts on the elusive notion of the national identity, says this, we often tend to think that Australians are anti-authoritarian. They were all kind of little Ned Kellys who are questioning the rebellious of authority. And I think that is actually probably the reverse, he says. We're usually compliant and obedient. So the true Australian will loudly poke fun at and be suspicious of people in authority, but they will on the whole toe the line and comply with whatever demands are placed on them as citizens. The late historian John Hurst said, Australians are suspicious of persons in authority, but towards impersonal authority, they are very obedient. This was highlighted in the lockdown YouTube videos of Sammy J's satirical turnstand. I don't know if you watched those, those clips, with his soy latte drinking, black skivvy wearing, Dan Andrews loving Melbourneian. We may grumble, but most of us will comply. Unlike Americans, whose freedom is born from the American Revolution and the rights of the individual, it seems that as long as we are persuaded that it's for our common good, most of us will obey the government. But is that what Paul is calling us to? A lazy loyalty to the powers that be, plus a bit of passive-aggressive whinging on the side. Is that what Paul's calling us to? It's important to separate our attitude to government from our cultural biases. So as we turn to Paul's words, the first question to ask is, what is the point of government? What is the point of government? From verses 1 and 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring punishment, will bring judgment on themselves. So verse 2 says that these authorities are instituted by God. The government is God's design. It's ordained by him. And these systems are measures that God has set up to restrain evil and to promote human flourishing. 
So rather than complete anarchy, govern governments for the most part at least, organise society by building roads and hospitals and places of education, caring for the needs of the marginalised and for providing justice and order. And so we read in verses 3 to 4, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. It's easy for us, I think, to be critical of governments and we live in an age where we're quite critical of institutions and hierarchy but we haven't first-hand experienced anarchy and the chaos that comes with it. As in the words of judges when everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. One good example of that is the safe ministry laws which we now have. As a church, we failed to protect the young and the vulnerable and a secular government acted to create legislation that offers protection for the vulnerable and punishes perpetrators. And that's a good thing. Police officers, local councils and members of parliament are doing work set up for them by God. And so we read in Daniel 2, for example, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. And later in chapter 4 of Daniel we read, The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets them up over the lowliest of people. In Romans chapter 9, Paul referred to Pharaoh and God's sovereignty over him. God said to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And in our passage in Romans 13, three times Paul calls those in authority God's servant, in verse 4 and verse 6. And God can use a pagan king like Pharaoh. Or King Cyrus is another example. God calls Cyrus his anointed and shepherd. All rulers and kings are subject to God and fulfil his purposes. And as part of our fallen world, these institutions are in one degree or another sinful. We know this. They're populated by people whose tendency is to be corrupted by power and greed to serve their own interests. Yet we can be assured that as verse 1 says, there is no authority except that which God has established. This doesn't mean that they're always going to act in moral and equitable ways, but that their authority can never supersede God's boundaries. All human authority is derived from God and answerable to him. Government is similar in some ways to parenting in that it's an institution that's set up by God 
your children are meant to honour their parents and you can have good parents or bad parents, but it's still preferable to have parents than no parents, except in extreme circumstances. And there's exceptions to submitting to government, which we'll get to, but on the whole, having a relatively stable government is better than not having one at all. I think Paul's words here in chapter 13 are actually quite subversive and challenging to governments who often think that they are the highest authority. So when Roman Christians confess that Jesus is Lord, on the flip side, they're saying that Caesar is not. The practical outworking of not being conformed to the pattern of this world but being transformed by the renewing of our minds is worshipping God in all our lives, recognises that God is sovereign over every nation and every government and that they're subject to his will whether they recognise it or not. And so this leads us to our next question. How should we respond to the government? From verses 5 to 7. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. So government is more than a nuisance to put up with. And we're to work with the government rather than trying to work against the government. Paying our taxes, offering respect, giving honour to those whose job it is to be in office. This is how we love the world as Christians. This is part of our daily life of worship which all of Romans 12 and 13 explain. So we are to be subject to those in power and honour those in leadership, Paul says. Yet our situation is also different to Paul's. He couldn't vote out Nero, but we can. So we need to prayerfully consider our vote and what agency we have as Christians in a democracy I think we need to have a generous spirit towards government and acknowledge that it is a hard job. And that's why we're encouraged to pray for our leaders and to show honour towards them. And we need to recognise that we have many constructive avenues to challenge our leaders, such as letter writing and the law and seeking to speak to members of our parliament before we consider actions of civil disobedience. And for some of us, that'll mean being active in politics. And there's not one political party that is on God's side. I've got good friends who work for opposing parties and all with the intent of living out their Christian faith in ways that lead to the flourishing of society. So let's encourage Christians to get into politics and to pray for them. So we lead with good intentions. We're seeking to affirm what we can but what about when we can't? When laws are authorised that contradict and oppose God's law, it is our Christian duty to not obey. 
So when Peter and the other, the other apostles are ordered not to teach about Jesus, they reply by saying, we must obey God rather than human beings. And there's examples of this throughout the Bible and throughout church history from the Hebrew midwives who refused to kill the, the male babies in Egypt to Daniel and his friends refusing to bow down and worship the statue of Nebuchadnezzar to Esther who was not permitted to speak to the king but she approached him anyway. And in church history, we're in Ridley College, so um, thinking of Nicholas Ridley who refused to accept the Roman Catholic Mass as a sacrifice because Christ's sacrifice was once and for all. And when he was being tied to the stake to be burned for his faith, he prayed this prayer. He said, Lord God, have mercy on this realm of England and deliver it from all, from all her enemies. So he didn't revoke his belief, but his attitude was one of honour as he approached his death. From Bonhoeffer to Martin Luther King, many, many others, there have been times when it has become necessary to disobey the laws of the state. When obedience to government or powers contradicts obedience to God, we must not obey. But sometimes it's not that easy to know and Christians will take different views on whether or not it is right to submit or not. And because of this, we need to show graciousness to one another. Is it right to hold a prayer vigil in a politician's office about the inhumane treatment of asylum seekers? Christians may take varying views. I think that the emphasis should be on non-violent actions, on issues that are serious to God, and after prioritising all the proper channels of action that we can. And when civil disobedience is called for, we must avoid as much disruption to police and we need to accept the legal consequences of our behaviour. Australians seem to find it difficult to express disagreement without disrespect. We easily lean towards shouting down and belittling those that we disagree with. So instead of being antagonistic and combative, our protest should be respectful. Verse 7 says, If we owe respect, then give respect. If honour, then honour. This is part of our offering our daily sacrifice to God, just as much as the other spiritual acts of our faith. So paying our taxes, honouring those in authorities, this is part of the way that we live out our gospel identity. When we do this, when we speak out against injustice, but do it while entrusting it to God and accepting the consequences that may come, we remember that those who are in power are subject to God, that their authority is limited and we free ourselves up from getting caught up in all the vitriol. As Christians, we need to remember that even those that we disagree with are made in God's image. That they're image bearers too. And this draws us back to what we heard last week. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, 
Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So we do not allow our hatred of evil and injustices to lead to a hatred of the ones who hold the reins of power. We continue to have hope and to suffer patiently and to persist in praying because God is sovereign and that's our great hope. And so finally then, it is important to remember that we have a hope beyond our government. Paul's words here in Romans chapter 13 offer a reordering of power. Governments have a second tier authority. And so when Jesus is questioned by Pilate, when he's on trial, he says this, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. This is good news for us because it means that we don't need to be too fearful of bad authorities nor too complacent. Tim Keller suggests that those of us who are moralists tend to obey human authorities too anxiously. So we hand over too much power to those in authority and we depend too thoroughly on authorities, whether that's members of our family or our cultural group or the government. And we do this because we're so reliant on being seen as dutiful and upright people. Others, others of us, though, are more pragmatic, more relativist. And we may obey human authority too much, but for a different reason, because we don't believe in a higher authority. And so we place all our trust in a certain ideology or a cause. Or on the flip side, we, we, we may uh, value hum, human authorities too little and only obey when we can't get away with it. Each of these attitudes places human authority too highly or too lowly the attitude that Paul calls us to take in Romans 13 is one that knows that God is the greatest authority where we can oppose human authority if it opposes truth or obedience to God, where we submit sincerely and actively because we seek to honour those that God has put in charge and we have the freedom in Christ to do that. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When on trial, Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And as it says in Daniel 7, the Son of Man was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language will worship him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. One day, all will bow before him. We honour God by honouring those that he has placed in authority whilst recognising that all leaders are fallible and sinful and that there may be times when we have to dissent. But our hope as Christians is in a kingdom that will not pass away. And our hope 
is in a good king who rules with justice and mercy. And we worship him now through lives of love and obedience. And we look forward to the day when all will bow before him. Amen. Let me pray. Lord God, we praise you because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we pray for wisdom. We seek to be faithful to your word, God, to live out our identity as your gospel people, trusting in you as the one who is sovereign over everyone and everything. Please, God, show us where we too blindly follow and where we need to stand up and speak out. Show us where we disengage and help us to repent of our apathy. Show us where our hearts are rebellious and help us to submit out of reverence for you. Lord, this can be hard to navigate. So we pray that your spirit will lead us into wisdom and discernment as we seek to live all of our lives in worship of you, our good and faithful King. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.